Hello, this is pharmacist Tara Thompson, and welcome to the Mix It Up podcast. This is a show where we take you behind the counter to hear from experts in medicine, health, and pharmacy compounding. So today I'm so excited about this podcast because we have the honor of speaking with a man who loves the compounding pharmacy profession. And he's so very knowledgeable about being involved and advocating for this profession. Um, I'm excited for you guys to meet him today. So today we're talking with Scott Bruner. He is the CEO of the Alliance for Pharmacy Compounding. And through his leadership at APC, he works diligently to represent more than 4,000 members of the compounding community to promote awareness for the specialty practice of compounding. Scott is an Alabama native with more than 30 years experience. And as an association executive, he has a passion for public policy and has been instrumental in the field of compounding and also in COVID during this COVID time. So welcome, Scott. It is an honor to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, uh, Tara. I'm delighted to be with you. All righty. Well, so tell us a little bit about yourself, how you came into this profession, into compounding and pharmacy in general. Um, and then let's talk a little bit about the Alliance for Pharmacy Compounding. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you can tell from my drawl, I'm an Alabama native, as you mentioned. Uh, I have spent my career uh, 30 plus years working for trade associations. Uh, I was fortunate uh, in 2014 uh, to be hired as the CEO of the Georgia Pharmacy Association, and that was my first foray into pharmacy. Um, I moved from there to the National Community Pharmacist Association and then started here at APC uh, in March of 2019. It is nice to work for a group of professionals who also happen to be community heroes. Um, I don't know that pharmacists in general, much less compounders, always think of themselves in those terms. But just looking back over the past nine months with COVID, it's astonishing um, the health care that has been provided in communities across this country uh, because of pharmacists and because of compounding pharmacists in particular, uh, compounding hand sanitizer, working with uh, prescribers uh, to figure out the right treatment uh, regimes, uh, even some uh, pharmacy compounders sourcing shortage drugs uh, to health systems. Um, our members play a role day in and day out in uh, making people feel well. And um, I think that is noble work. And I'm, I'm delighted to work for, uh, for such a group. Oh, thanks so much, Scott, man. That's, yeah, we, I, I, don't think, I don't think we think of ourselves that way, but it is nice to hear those kinds of things. And I think that's kind of one of the reasons too that we started this whole podcast is because a lot of either providers or other pharmacists or students or people who are just interested in the profession in general or don't know much about it, they don't they don't know the so many things that the that pharmacists do. Compounding pharmacists um, definitely you know do so much more than stand behind the counter and count pills. And there's so many different professions or in the pharmacy profession, there's so many different avenues that a pharmacist can go down and and be a part of. Um, tell us a little bit about ways that pharmacists who may be listening or providers who are listening um, can be involved in, you know, advocacy, regulation, law, what, what types of things through APC um, can people get involved in? Yeah, uh, well, let me, let me start by telling you what APC is. We are a trade association. We represent 
the entire expanse of pharmacy compounding. Uh, so certainly pharmacists are our members, but so are technicians, so are educators, so are supply chain professionals, and even some prescribers uh, in the compounding space. And we are at heart an advocacy organization. We advocate um, on behalf of a profession, yes, but more importantly, we advocate on behalf of the patients that you guys serve. Uh, and one of our key goals is to assure that patients continue to have access uh, to the compounded medications um, that they need. Unfortunately, we, we, we live in a world right now where uh, the FDA in particular tends to look at pharmacy compounding and say, oh, well, that's radical, that, that um, they, 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 they leave the impression that uh, a manufactured drug is the right solution uh, for every patient. And yet the only thing radical about pharmacy compounding is the way uh, pharmacy compounders are able to help patients feel normal again, uh, to elevate their quality of life, uh, to make them feel good and be able to live lives that they otherwise would not be able to live but for the customized medications that pharmacy compounders provide. And so we work uh, in Congress, with FDA, with DEA, we work with state legislatures, uh, state uh, boards of pharmacy, um, state pharmacy associations, and a handful of other national trade uh, associations, APHA, NCPA, uh, and others, um, to protect the ability of pharmacy compounders to serve those patients. And it, it you know, it probably any time uh, you, you would have me on your podcast, I would tell you that pharmacy compounding is under fire, um, but it really is under fire right now. Um, FDA is looking to assert itself um, into pharmacy compounding in ways that Congress never intended for it uh, to. And the implications of that may well be to deprive many patients across the country of access to the medications that they get uh, from pharmacy compounders. Uh, as, as many of your listeners know, compounding is not necessarily a local business. Uh, compounders specialize in certain therapies. And so a compounder uh, in Georgia may well serve patients in 15 or 20 or 40 other states. Uh, a compounder in Michigan may be shipping uh, compounded medications uh, to a number of other states in which that pharmacy, in which the, the, the pharmacist with that pharmacy are licensed because of that specialization. So one thing FDA is trying to do right now is to really um, constrain uh, the ability of pharmacies uh, to ship across state lines, even though they are legitimately licensed in those other states. Um, they are urging state boards of pharmacy to sign a memorandum of understanding where states would incur a great uh, administrative burden, a lot of cost, um, that is not necessarily appropriated by state legislatures, um, and, and to report to FDA pharmacies that are shipping inordinate amounts. Um, while we have no problem with that sort of reporting, in states that don't sign the MOU, um, the statute imposes a 5% cap on shipping. And so we believe uh, it's in FDA's interest and in compounding pharmacist interest and in patient's interest for states to sign that MOU. And yet the FDA has crafted it in such a way that many states are now balking. And they're saying, uh, because of the way it's structured, uh, we can't sign it. 
And so we're working with FDA, uh, we're working in the courts uh, to try to reach some resolution there because it could profoundly affect uh, patient access to, uh, to compounded medications. And that's but one of the, 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 the many battles we're fighting. Uh, we're working to help preserve the ability uh, of patients to, uh, to access compounded bioidentical hormone therapy. Uh, we are working uh, even with animal compounding uh, to um, make sure that veterinarians uh, can access the therapies that they need to serve the, the wide range of animal compounding needs, not just your house pets, uh, but also exotic animals, uh, uh, livestock, uh, et cetera. And, and it's yet another issue where FDA is reaching in and trying to circumscribe uh, not only the ability of compounders to, to, to compound, but of veterinarians to practice uh, veterinary medicine. That's just a bit of a taste. I could go on, uh, I guess mm -hmm. I have on uh, about the sort of things we're working on and, and, and I think why they matter. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those, those just little points that you hit on the MOU, HRT, uh, veterinary compounding, those are such, you may not think that, you know, the listeners may not know that that's such a huge access point for so many people that rely on those medications that they're being made for their animals or their horses or themselves for their hormone replacement therapy. Um, and even the MOU, you know, restricting access through from state to state, there's people that rely on drugs from other states. And I've learned one thing in my short eight years in compounding is that education is so important. Just simply educating a provider, a inspector who comes to our pharmacy, a somebody just educating them on some of these things really opens up, even patients, opens up eyes to, wow, that is much needed. You guys are doing something important here. You are helping me get better. You are, you know, increasing my access to compounded products. So um, I think an underlying theme there for us is just getting these words out there, educating the public, letting them know that, you know, this is something that we're fighting for and taking it away has such greater implications than leaving it here. Well, absolutely. Um, and, 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 and pushing back against this idea that there is a manufactured drug uh, that is perfectly suited to every need and every patient. It's just not so. Um, and, and that's why customized uh, medication, customized, the, the compounding uh, arena allows for the sort of customation, uh, customization to meet a specific patient's need. Um, there are gender issues related to that. There are dosage issues, dosage forms um, related to that. And, and, and that's why the work you guys do is just so essential. I do not know where our health care system uh, would be without pharmacy compounding. And yet, particularly at the federal level with FDA, they, um, they, they, they certainly seem to, to see but one solution uh, and that is manufactured drugs. So the work we do um, tries to preserve the ability of compounders to compound so that patients can benefit. Right, and even you know, bringing to light all of the reg regulations and the stringent rules and guidelines and amount of inspections and quality standards that compounders are held to, I think gets kind of swept under the rug too. I don't think people realize how 
stringent and tedious of a process it is to be a pharmacy compounder or a compounding pharmacy that is making these drugs. So I know when I start to talk to patients and providers about that a little bit from my end as a pharmacist, they're like, wow, that you guys, you really are, you know, heavily regulated. And I'm thinking, yes, we are. <laughs> this is a very, very safe place to make medication. So, um, which is yeah. so interesting. Absolutely. Compliance costs for pharmacists um, are, are high and you can bet when you walk into a compounding pharmacy or you get your medication from a compounding pharmacy um, that they have quite an investment in, um, in safety, uh, in cleanliness, in all of those things that you would expect because it is their job to make patients well. Uh, and so um, we believe, yes, compounding should be uh, appropriately regulated, but that doesn't mean that every regulation that is promulgated is right for patients. And in fact, many of the regulations that we find ourselves fighting against have nothing to do with safety or eff efficacy. It's just um, the, the, the sense uh, by regulatory agencies that ever more regulation is somehow going to make uh, patients healthier uh, or safer. And it's just not so. We want regulation, but we want right and prudent regulation. Absolutely. Absolutely. There is one thing I want to touch on um, as an organization. So we know that the Alliance for Pharmacy Compounding is so heavy on the regulatory side. And I know that if you want to talk a little bit about maybe some of the, um, I guess, a little bit about some of the events that the Alliance for Pharmacy Compounding holds every year that um, people can be involved with, that members can be involved with? Sure, yeah. Uh, we are, as I said, primarily an advocacy organization, but we also do a considerable amount of training and education. Because our focus is uh, public policy uh, advocacy, most of our education efforts, whether those are live events, virtual events, webinars, are usually focused on some aspect of uh, compliance with the public policy initiatives that we are working on. And so each year um, we do a, a an education conference um, in the era of COVID that has become a virtual event and we are planning for it to be virtual for 2021. Looks like that is going to be in early February um, and folks can participate in it uh, in their pajamas if they wish. We're just getting underway with planning that program, but good uh, high quality training uh, and education there. We also um, each year host an, an event that we call Compounders on Capitol Hill that is specifically about advocacy, but it's also a learning opportunity. Uh, and that is where pharmacists and technicians and educators and supply chain professionals fly into Washington DC uh, to be oriented, uh, briefed, I guess, on uh, the issues. And then we go up to Capitol Hill and we meet uh, in person uh, with members of Congress about issues that are affecting uh, patient access to uh, compounded medications. Um, we are hopeful that by next September, when that event is scheduled, uh, that it can be a live event. Uh, but that's another example of the sort of um, uh, of training that we provide. For 2021, one, one new addition uh, is going to be an, uh, a compounding pharmacy owners summit. 
where we will bring in owners of compounding pharmacies from across the country and focus really on business issues, uh, innovations, ways to cut costs, ways to serve your patients better, ways to market your services uh, to patients and prescribers. And that is looking to be um, scheduled for um, the late spring of 2021. We're hopeful that it can be an in-person event with proper social distancing, et cetera. And so uh, compounders should begin to watch their uh, email boxes for news about that um, over the next month or two and in hopes that uh, those business owners will join us uh, for, for that event. That's just sort of a, a, a quick rundown of our education events. We also have webinars. Uh, we've got a couple of really pertinent ones coming up. Um, one on peptides. It's called The Truth About Compounding Peptides. Uh, I suspect that uh, some folks need to, to hear that because there are uh, some restrictions on what com compounders can do in that regard. We also have an upcoming webinar uh, on uh, e-prescribing in compounding. And uh, that is not an issue that we've heard um, many, we've not seen many education courses uh, covering, and we think it can be of real value uh, to compounding pharmacies. So that's sort of a rundown of the kinds of, of, of training and education that we do. And we do a lot of pop-up stuff. When an issue is hot, uh, we will schedule quickly uh, a, a webinar or a briefing uh, for our members on uh, whatever the, the topic is. Wow, that's amazing. That, that so many different um, things you have you guys have going on, and it touches on so many different subjects. I mean, you have education, you have policy, you have regulation, you have owner for business owners. So um, it sounds like APC just kind of is you know definitely a, a fruitful organization to be a part of. I mean, you, members obviously get a lot of uh, a lot of really great material education. Um, on the forefront of new news that's coming out. So that sounds like, that sounds great. How does, how does, how would somebody get in touch with APC or you guys or, or begin to join or how do current members um, stay, stay tuned to what's all, what all's going on in APC? Let me address the second question first. How do current yeah. members stay tuned in? Um, watch their email boxes. Um, we are a lean association. We have four staffers. Um, we have about a thousand members. Uh, and we are always resource restricted. So if you're a current member of the organization and you're listening, thank you. Um, we appreciate so much your investment in our ability to, uh, to represent your profession. Um, we do a weekly e-newsletter called Compounding Connections. Um, we do um, specific member-wide emails from time to time. In January, we're gonna do a print publication for uh, the first time in a long time focused on our new uh, compounder code of ethics and spotlighting some members who are living the principles of that, uh, that code of ethics. Um, so social media is also a good way to follow us. We have um, a Twitter account, Facebook account, LinkedIn accounts, and we would love for you to, uh, to follow us there and share uh, the information that we, uh, we, we, we post there. If you are not a member, um, we need you. If you are at any point in the supply chain uh, for pharmacy compounding, if you're a prescriber, if you're a pharmacist, a, a, a technician, uh, an educator, and compounding is uh, a part of your practice, um, we need you to be a part of our organization. Your dues help fund what we do, and I think you'll, you'll find that our voice is louder and you are better informed uh, 
uh, as a result of being a part of our organization. Um, our website is A4, that's a number four, a4pc.org. And if you'll click the join tab there, you'll find plenty of information uh, about how to become a member. If you enter the code, and this is a limited time uh, thing, but if you enter code APC2020, you'll get $25 off uh, the dues. So go to a4pc.org backslash join and enter APC2020 and you'll get $25 off your dues. Um, we are an organization that needs to grow uh, to be able to do what we do. And I hope, uh, I believe our members see value uh, in our efforts. Thank you, Scott. We, we truly admi admire your passion and you can just tell in your voice your dedication to the profession of pharmacy compounding. Um, I know there are listeners out there who are hopefully going to the website and signing up right now, but um, we definitely thank you so much for your time today and um, time to speak with us regarding all of these ways to get involved and all the amazing and supportive things that the Alliance of Pharmacy Compounding is doing for the profession. It was a pleasure, Tara. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. And then thank you also to all of our listeners, of course, who joined us today um, on the Mix It Up podcast. We hope this encourages pharmacists and pharmacy students and providers, prescribers, like Scott said, anyone out there who is anywhere remotely involved in the pharmacy compounding um, supply chain is welcome and encouraged to join. So um, thank you all for listening and for our patients and healthcare providers. We hope you caught a glimpse of what the compounding pharmacy profession looks like from the other side of the counter and the passion that goes behind our desire to help patients. For more information or to ask questions about something you heard today or more information on APC, email us at info, I-N-F-O at innovationcompounding.com. Thank you guys. Y'all be well.